in the morning when you need the news that matters most. They can kiss my f***ing ass right downtown and print it. You need the front page. All these mother editorials. On the press box. They're really, really behind you around here. My f***ing ass. With Graney and Bischoff. Rip them mother Rip them touching suckers like the f***ing players. Gonzaga's athletic director met with the Big 12. So Gonzaga could join the Big 12. It would be basketball only, obviously. Um, This would be one of the, outside of the Big East, forming a basketball only conference. This would be maybe the only time that there's been conference expansion or realignment based solely on basketball and not on football. Um, I'll start from this angle. Would this be good for Gonzaga? Well, not not that many people care. I think they'd bring all their sports, but that's beside the point because why wouldn't you want your tennis team uh, flying to the Big 12 like the <laughs> USC is flying to Wisconsin in the Big 10? Um, I don't – look, I don't think it, it, it'd be more TV money, obviously, but I don't know why they wouldn't consider the Pac-12 first. And also, they've already been one seeds, what, yes. several times? So it's not like they need to get into the Big 12 to be a one seed. Right. They're already established enough to where if they're good enough, they're going to be one seed. It's not like all these years they've been eight or nine seeds because everyone's ripping the WCC and they're not in a good conference. They have established enough respect that if they have a good regular season, they're getting a yeah. good seed in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's They're good enough to have earned that without being in a power conference. The TV money is an interesting one because I don't know what the deal would be for Gonzaga and television money because they're not playing football and football is the main component of all of these television deals. I'm guessing Gonzaga would get a significantly smaller share of the TV deal. But it'd be a lot more probably than they're getting now. Probably. Um, The other key here when it comes to, you know, what's best for Gonzaga basketball, the conference that they're in caters to their every desire. Yes. They get everything they want. Cut regular season conference games because Gonzaga wanted to be able to schedule more yes. good non-conference They've gotten games. everything they want. The WCC changed its basketball tournament format to give the Gonzaga. one and the two seed. Are they still directly to the semis, to the I semis. believe? Yes. Like, that's solely because Gonzaga was like, well, we don't want to have to play three or four games. Right. Like, what if we get upset by the eighth seed of the WCC? Then we'll lose our one seed. Right. The WCC has done everything for Gonzaga. They're basically the kings of that conference and depending obviously money goes a long way if the big 12 is like all right we're going to give you 40 million more than you were getting in the wcc that's one thing but if it's like for two or three million more it might honestly be worth it for gonzaga to stay for a little bit less money because they have so much power the other side of this is this good for the big 12 i mean they're already a really good basketball conference Really good yeah. basketball conference. I, and you're going to split the pie even more by bringing in, uh, again, another good basketball team? I'm not so sure. I'm not so sure the advantages of it for the Big right. 12. You're giving up more money, and you're already a really good basketball conference. We The majority of conference realignment is because of television dollars. And, I, like, one, one example against that is, like, Nebraska didn't bring a television dollar to the Big 10. But uh, for the most part, when conferences expand... They're trying to either get into new TV markets or they're trying to add teams that they think they can get more money for from television networks. It's always about football, though. And I'm curious, does the Big 12 get more television money 
because they have Gonzaga. I don't know. That I don't they know if would. they do. So I'm curious if this is just, I mean, from a, you know, great game standpoints from having teams go deep in the NCAA tournament and all that. Getting all those, you know, the money from the tournament. You, you do get more money every time. The conference gets more money every game you win in the NCAA tournament. Gonzaga is great for the Big 12 right. in that regard, but they'd be great for every conference in that regard, but they don't know that they change much on the television revenue side, which is always the key here. So I, I'm curious to see if this actually happens because I think you can make very compelling arguments for Gonzaga not to want to join the Big 12 and for the Big 12 not to really want to add Gonzaga. Uh, but I do think it would be fun because then we'd get Gonzaga in Kansas every single yes. year. And I'm fully on board with that. Hell, the, the whole co- that whole conference is good. You go 500 in the Big 12, you're probably one of the 25 best right. teams in the country. So it'd be fun from just a pure college basketball standpoint that Gonzaga is now playing Kansas in February instead of Pepperdine. Did you see the Kanzano article about San Diego State in the Pac-12? That the Pac-12 is doing, no, a, serious, a, recent, a, they're doing a serious dance with San Diego State. Like they're talking to them? Oh, yeah. Okay. They, San Diego State um, hired a firm that includes the former Duke AD as head of the firm to try to um, consummate this deal. Is this, the Pac-12 I, and San I didn't State. read it. Is this a Pac-12 reaching out to the, uh, San Diego State or other way around? San Diego State basically trying to convince the Pac-12. I think it's probably the latter, okay. but I think the Pac-12 is listening. Is listening. They're listening. And there was a no mention of other schools? Uh, UNLV was mentioned in, in the in the article if they went with two. If they went with two more, UNLV, SMU, Boise, Fresno State. But it was definitely a 90% San Diego State to the Pac-12 article. It was a San Diego State's in discussions, and if the Pac-12 wants to keep even numbers, they'll drag someone. No, they'll drag someone them. with them. Yeah. I don't care about your next question. The Eagles play the Texans on Thursday night football. Same time as Astros and Phillies in the World Series. Uh, I do believe this would be a funny time for the Eagles to lose their first game of the season, given that they are playing the Houston Texans on Thursday night football. Um, This game is in Houston. If you are a Houston sports fan, do you even consider going to this football game, or do you stay at home and watch the World Series? Uh, I think you go to the Astros Park and be some of those people last night the I watch saw party. watching the game. If you Going are crazy, an, if you are an Eagles fan that flew to Houston for this game, because remember the original schedule, this right. was an off day for the World Series. Well, you're in the Buffalo Wild Wings, like you're going to be. You're you're going to skip out on the game you flew to go see. You mean not go to the stadium with the rest of the Astro fans? No, I'm saying if you're an Eagles fan, you're you're in you're from Philly. You flew to Houston because you're like right. But your options would be what? Going to the stadium? You go watch the Eagles play you the go Texans. Watch, oh, you're saying Eagles Texans? You, I thought you. you I thought the in, choice was no, no. You flew in to go to this football game because you knew it was an off day for the World Series, and then they screwed you with the schedule change. But you already got the flight. So you do you got go to the game, game or do you go to Buffalo Wild Wings? How good's the Wi-Fi inside Houston <laughs> Texans Stadium? If, if you're the Texans, they've held Super Bowls there. I've been at them, so I bet I bet they have nice <laughs> Wi-Fi. If you're the Texans, do you just broadcast the Astros game on the jumbotron? You should 100. percent The Texans tweeted out something this morning. It was like, "Remember, wear red today," and all of the responses are, "No, we're wearing orange." Yes. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Sorry. Um, I got you. Thank you. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> Lane Kiffin says Auburn should hire Deion Sanders as their football coach. They well, he would they, take the job. They fired their head coach, Brian Harson. They're going to have a new athletic director they stole from Mississippi State. 
Do you think he'd do a good job? Yes, that seems like a great idea to me, right? Am I wrong in thinking that Deion Sanders would no, I mean, be I, I watched I watched a fascinating uh, 60 minutes on him last week and about what he's done to build up his program at Jackson State. But the question was posed to him, if a Power 5 job comes along, would you take it? And he, let's put it this way, he certainly didn't say no. <laughs> I mean, he certainly said, I'd have to consider it. And, you know, you'd have to consider it a lot more money, a lot more resources. So I think if Auburn came at him, he would take that job. Jackson State, since he took over, is 23-5. and five. Yeah. And that's not like a historically dominant HBCU program. No. Uh, they're 8-0 this season. College game day was in Jackson, Mississippi last weekend because of Deion Sanders. I, in all seriousness, I think it'd be a phenomenal idea if Auburn or whatever SEC school, whatever SEC school came has opening him. tried to hire him. And Auburn is a program that is potentially great. Right, obviously they're not Alabama level, but that's a program that can make the jump to top tier in the country. Oh, they've been very good. Right. So I, I think it'd be great, and I'll be honest, I'd love to get more Deion Sanders quotes. Right. We don't pay too much right. attention to Jackson State football. Not that we pay a ton of attention to Auburn, but we'd pay a hell of a lot more if he was if there. If he was the coach. And you get me Deion Sanders against Nick Saban every year until Nick Saban retires. Oh. They're in those damn Aflac, those Aflac commercials, commercials together. Those Aflac commercials, yeah. But would those have to end, or would those be even better? I, I don't know. In, the, in one of the commercials, Saban actually says Coach Prime, <laughs> so which he wants to be known as. In fact, in the 60 Minutes interview, they kept asking him questions. Well, Coach Prime it was very strange. <laughs> the other part of this that I love, Lane Kiffin, the head coach of Ole Miss, has no problem throwing out names for one yes, of his exactly. rivals to hire. <laughs> it's great. They play Auburn every year, and he's like, you know, I got a great coaching <laughs> candidate for you. Oh, Next question. Standing in your corner. Next question. Kansas has suspended Bill Self for four games. This is self-imposed punishment from Kansas. Uh, they also did not let Bill Self make some recruiting visits over the summer. So this is the second uh, form of self-imposed punishment from Kansas. This all stems from the investigation into Kansas's basketball recruiting that uh, came after the FBI's investigation into coaches paying players if you remember when what was it four assistant coaches got arrested uh because of this kansas is this is schools do this on a somewhat regular basis when they're being investigated they try to get out in front and offer up basically their own punishment and be like look we punished ourselves so you don't need to punish us now well, the ncaa does take that into account but often the ncaa says you guys didn't do enough and we're still going to punish you I wonder when, as I saw on Twitter today, they're going to rescind this four-game suspension given Louisville's infractions were announced today and Patino got nothing. Yes. So it's like, wait a minute, Self's going there like, wait, this guy got nothing? <laughs> and I got four games? Rescind that immediately. I think if you're Kansas and Bill Self, you're perfectly fine with missing four games, though. First four games of the season. They are going to play in one of the big preseason season He's in the tournaments. He's but in like, the Duke game. I think you're fine with that. Like, that's not going to be really relevant. I mean, he won it last year. It's not like he's worried about his job. Right. And it's not like, oh, he has to be away from the program for three weeks or something. No. Like, he's just not going to be on the sideline. He's not going to be on the sideline probably the give the halftime speech yeah. in the locker room. <laughs> <laughs> he just won't be on the sideline to call timeouts or something like that. But uh, if I, this is all it is, then he got away fine. Yeah. I. It's so stupid. But I love in college football and basketball. 
that schools are like, oh, we're being investigated. We did. You found out that we did something wrong. All right, we'll offer up a little. A pl- we'll offer our own plea deal up for you. Right. We'll suspend Bill Self for four games. Please don't do anything else to right. us. It's so stupid, but it's great. It's like college sports is some of the dumbest things we do in this country for sports. It's so when we look back on it, we're like, okay, hold on. So we had professional sports, and then we decided all these places where kids went to get an education and a degree. We decided to let them play sports against each other. <laughs> Didn't pay them any money for the longest time. There's so much about it that's stupid. Unbelievably stupid, and I love every second of it. College sports is incredible. I can't. Are you proud of yourself? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you're proud of yourself? Yeah, Fox backs me. Wow. Well, and to be honest, to be honest. No, no, that's enough. That's enough. Next question, please. All right, I wanted to get to this one, too. Nolan Arenado won the gold glove as you read through them yesterday. On yes, the I did. Nolan Arenado has won 10 straight gold gloves at third base. 10 in a row. And he's only 31. It's not like he's late in his 30s. Uh, Brooks Robinson holds the record with 16 straight gold gloves. But 10 in a row is kind of remarkable. It's kind of amazing. And he started when he was 21. Like, right. that's an incredible streak for Nolan Arenado. And you can sort of nitpick gold glove voting because it's, you know, what exactly, how do people actually determine who's the best defensive player at each position? But to win it 10 years in a row. Yeah. Very impressive streak. Coming up next, you know what else is impressive? A no-hitter in the World Series. And Bregman lines this one over to right field, racing over Cassianos. He won't get there. That's going to go to the wall. Altuve scores. Right behind him, Pena. He will score. Down the third goes Alvarez. Bregman drives in two with an opposite field double. Three to nothing, Astros. Ground ball left side coming in Bregman. He scoops the short hop, throws on a move to first in time, and that is a ball game. A World Series no-hitter for the Houston Astros as they blank the Philadelphia Phillies 5 to nothing. This World Series is all square at two games apiece. We're back to the press box with Grady and Bischoff. I got a couple of stats for you guys. Uh, first off, in back-to-back games, the Astros allowed the tie for most home runs in World Series history and then threw a no-hitter, just the second in World Series history. Also, um, DraftKings apparently offered a bet last night that was an over-under of 19.5 on 76ers made three-pointers combined with Philadelphia Phillies hits. The Sixers made 19 three-pointers. <laughs> oh, Danny, why weren't you all over that? <laughs> no, it's all right. Why was the degenerate all over that one? I, I'm making my trip down to Arizona today. I didn't want to go yesterday. I like to imagine um, the Danny of Philadelphia saw this on DraftKings. Like, oh, great bets. I'm going to hammer that. Oh, I'm sure there's a ton of people who took that one. And the Sixers are, you know, up to 19 threes. And it's like, oh, we just need one hit from the Phillies. <laughs> And that's how you make fans hate a franchise. Danny, do you buy lotto tickets? Um, Occasionally. Like, I won't drive to, like, State Line you or anything. You won't drive to State Line to do it. But, like, if I go out of town somewhere and they have a lottery, like, if I ever go back east to visit family, I'll stop in and buy a couple, like, small lottery tickets. Have you won any money? I mean, the most I've won is, like, 20 bucks. Look at that. Did you go hedge that on something? Oh, yeah, I took that, went back, and bought a $20 lotto <laughs> ticket. No one claimed Wednesday's prize. It's up to $1.5 billion. Yeah. It jumped. Wasn't it just a billion? 
It there's, was one point. His Powerball I jackpot think. swells to one point five as no one claims Wednesday's prize. Man, yeah, they're saying it's coming close to the biggest in history. Yeah, there's so much there. You might actually walk away with a billion dollars at the end of the day. Yeah, one point five billion. A lot of money. My dad went and drove to Arizona to. Did he drive buy to get some? Tickets. Yeah, he lost because he bought them for yesterday's drawing, the day before, whenever the hell it was. So yesterday, he's gonna have to go again. He should be driving there right now. Go buy another lottery ticket. Let's go. <sighs> If I don't show up at all next week, it's because my dad won the lottery. Oh, I told Bonnie last <laughs> night it would it would be. I mean, I'd call Tyler. Yeah, let me know. But I mean, it would just you'd never see me again. <laughs> no one would ever see me again if I won a billion dollars. You wouldn't come strolling in like you own the place. No, I'm well. That's a he good point. Buy, that's a good point. Place. I might buy the place. And then, <laughs> Come strolling in. That would be that. Actually, be I, I. I like that idea, Danny. I like that idea. All right. The Astros no hit the Phillies yesterday. Christian Javier threw six innings, had nine strikeouts. Got pulled. Was uh clo- closing in on a hundred pitches. Then Brian Abreu, Rafael Montero, and Ryan Presley closed it out in the bullpen. It is the second no hitter in World Series history. Don Larson threw a perfect game back in the fifties. So it's the first no hitter since color television was invented. Um, it's actually the second time this year the Astros threw a combined no-hitter with Christian Javier mm-hmm. starting. He threw seven innings against the Yankees in Yankee Stadium, and then Ryan Presley closed that one out as well. He, that was a fun stat. Ryan Presley is the first reliever ever to appear in two no-hitters. Makes sense because most no-hitters are one guy, not a multitude of guys, and usually teams don't do it multiple times in a year. Boy, Javier and Javier threw... I mean, just mostly fastballs, and they couldn't they couldn't catch does. up. I mean, yeah. he just it's, is amazing. If you were facing Javier, it's got to be one of the most frustrating things because his fastball is between 93 and 95 miles an hour. He doesn't throw just a, I'm blowing this fastball right past you. But um, Jeff Passan of ESPN had a good story on Javier. His fastball drops less than anybody else's fastball in baseball. Um, so basically every pitcher's pitch is going to drop as it enters the strike zone Mm -hmm. because of gravity, right? You can't actually throw a baseball and make it go up as it gets to the hitter because gravity exists. You I guess you could do it if you threw submarine in softball, you can, but in baseball, you can't. So every, every fastball drops and batters are conditioned to sort of their eyes understand that where the ball is, it's going to drop. Javier's drops less than basically everybody else in baseball. It just sits exactly where it is. And so everybody swings under swings his fastball under. or just completely misses it. And that's why he's he was the number one fly ball pitcher in baseball, got the highest percentage of fly balls in all of baseball this year because everybody swings under his fastball. I don't even know. I think he had one ground out yesterday in six innings, which is normal for him to not have very many ground outs. Um, his fastball is incredible, and it's – as an Astros fan, hilarious because he just he he'll just throw ninety four over the middle of the plate and guys can't touch it and right. it's hilarious. He doesn't even have to throw a good pitch half the time because people can't hit his fastball. It's great, love that guy, and yeah. he's their number four starter. Yeah, <laughs> ridiculous. <laughs> so who's tonight? Verlander. Justin Verlander pitches tonight um, against Wheeler. No, the Phillies are going Noah Syndergaard slash bullpen day. Really? Uh, Wheeler could pitch tonight on regular rest, but they're holding him back. They said they wanted to get him two extra days of rest, so he's going to pitch in game six. I think he might be hurt. 
Like, I can't imagine, hey, we're going to hold our best starter back in a 2-2 series and go with a bullpen day when our best starter's on re- – he's on, he's on regular rest, right? He could start uh, today on regular rest. Something might be wrong. Right. I have to imagine he's hurt or something because that's just – that doesn't make a whole lot of sense, right? I mean, I, I guess you're guaranteed the series is going to six, so it's not like you're facing elimination and you're going to have to – Because right. if Wheeler threw today – they'd have to go bullpen in six or Syndergaard slash bullpen in six. But that would still make more sense because you have a full day off before game six. Right. So I'm guessing he's hurt, but it's Verlander against Syndergaard slash bullpen. I think the stat is uh, in the last like two months, the most pitches Syndergaard's thrown in an outing is like 35 or something like that. So even though he's a starter, he he has not been throwing 70 plus the pitches. Most. Right. So you're looking at, you know, one time Maybe. through the order yeah. for Syndergaard right. uh, if he's pitching well. It's a very if the Astros score runs in the first, there's a good chance Syndergaard's done in the first right. inning and doesn't get through uh, even an inning. But this is it's it's such a weird spot because Justin Verlander is going to win the American League Cy Young, and if at any point you had Justin Verlander against the other team's bullpen day, you'd be like, oh, the Astros are going to win this game easily. easily. It's not even going to be close. But Justin Verlander has the highest ERA in World Series history among guys that have made like at least three starts or something like that. Highest ERA in World Series. It's over six now. He's still going to be great. I think he's going to be great. The wife will be happy. She was happy when we talked about her the other night. She was happy last night, too. Which was... Did they show her last night again? Yeah, they did. She was. She was. She's more, very happy, and her yes. husband's not even pitching. She's right, she's a happy person. Kate Upton's only going to be upset if Verlander struggles. Because listen, Lance McCullers struggles. Who cares about Lance McCullers? <laughs> she's pointing at the camera, smiling, That's and everything. Right. She was excited. Speaking of wives, did you see Reese Hoskins' wife? She bought. Um, she bought fifty beers. Well, well she she then bought she, more. Last she bought a hundred cases yeah. of beers last night. Yeah. She's just yeah, her husband's playing. Her husband's playing, and she's out spending <laughs> his money on fans. I thought the night before because he 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 hit home. He was one of the five, right? right. And then didn't to, she go to the didn't she go to the concourse and buy fifty yeah. beers? Yeah, and, and then, tonight, then, like before the game, or and then last night she just bought everyone who walked up beers. Yeah, before the game, didn't she? Didn't wait for her husband at home run just before the game. She was buying beer. <laughs> if I'm him, I'm like we're spending a lot of money on this stuff. Well, they actually asked him about it, and he said, oh, I think Phillies fans like her more than they like me now. Oh, they absolutely do. <laughs> no question about that. Oh, it's good. Good for her. Yeah, it is. Um, so Verlander against the bullpen tonight, and somehow I'm somehow nervous. I'm going to need Verlander to get his oh, stuff no, together. Here we go. What do you got? No, I just have the Astros to win the World Series. I think winner of tonight's game wins it, like wins the series. Nah, Man, I'm not so sure. I think lose. the Astros could come back and win two at home. They couldn't against Washington. Okay. Nobody wants to talk about the 2019 <laughs> World Series. The dumbest World Series in the history of the sport. People were so mad the whole world shut down because of that. It was. That is that is accurate. The whole world was upset. The world the first seven game series in American major American sports history where no home team won a game. I forgot about that. It was so nerve wracking. It's the dumbest series I've ever seen in my life. The Nationals, the nah. dumb nationals. With, and what have they done since? Got rid of all the players from that all team of them. and win like six games a year. The Phillies are absolutely winning 55 games next year. Absolutely. That team is absolutely going to crater back to earth. Next oh, you year. think so? And it's going to piss me off so much. <laughs> I'm going to be so furious <laughs> if they lose. I'm going to be so furious when the Phillies are out of the playoffs for like six straight seasons. They're, uh, 
Astros are winning the series. That's right. Thank you, Ed. Astros are winning the series. That. Don't you think so, Danny? If they win tonight, if Verlander can get his stuff together. They can uh they can bring Javier back on three days rest for game seven. Yeah, they just they just have too much pitching. It's the, the last night was ridiculous. Yeah, huh? and Valdez and I mean, he, as he, long he, as Lance Valdez McCullers isn't tipping his pitches, who goes, yeah. who goes and sits? Valdez? Yeah, Framber Valdez. Get six. Lance McCullers out of here. I, I think he'll be fine. He'll probably start Game Seven. I think he'll be great. Um, which, by the way, I've, I would start him over three days rest. I've never been more convinced that McCullers was tipping pitches. Yeah, the last three games, Framber Valdez, the the Phillies scored two runs, one on an error then hit five home runs off Lance McCullers, then got no hit. Right. They yeah. absolutely had to. Yeah. Like, that's the only explanation for this. Because, again, Frem, or, uh, Christian Javier just throws his fastball down the middle, and right. you can't hit it. They had to have been tipping his pitches. All right, coming up next, Darren Millard joins the show. Maroon is not just a color. This is the VGK Update with Darren Millsy Millard. Before we get to Darren really quick, um, Adam Silver just put out a statement saying that he is going to meet with Kyrie Irving uh, next week to okay. discuss his situation. Whatever that's What does that mean? I don't know. I feel like if you're going to suspend the guy, you would just suspend him and yeah. not say we got to meet with him with next you. week to discuss it. Yeah. So so, so two weeks after the fact, right. he's going to yes. meet yeah. up with him? Yes. Cool. He will have he will have posted the tweet. He will have talked about it in a press conference. He will have donated half a million dollars. He will have uh, apologized through a statement. And then seven more days will go by, and Adam Silver will we'll talk to him. Great timeline. <laughs> All right. Joining us now, it's Darren Millard. Hi, Darren. Hey, Darren. Sounds like they're right on it. Yes. Oh, they, yeah, they're timing all Timing is it. perfect. Um, all over it. Darren, I just want you to know, before the show, Danny asked me if we were going to have all of our guests on time today, and I said, yes, I have confidence in Darren, and here you are. Thank you for answering the phone. Coming through again. Yes. I believed in you, so you should give, feel good about give, that. Give, 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 give. Can, can I throw something out there? Yes. Wife loved the orange tie with the gray suit. Really? Yeah. She's big. She's nice. big into. She's big into orange. I like that. I've got a. I've got another one coming. So. Oh, there you go. All right. Another. That's what we do another another orange. Tie? We just sit around watching, looking at this kid's suits every night. It's 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 very exciting <laughs> at the granny house. <laughs> we need to have body on to break down Darren's suit. Stuff. Yeah, we do have to have someone <laughs> breaking them down. She'll, she'll come on and break them down. All right, we've got important questions for you, Darren. So, Golden Knights front office, Laurent Brossois on a conditioning loan with Henderson, so it's uh, imminent here that he'll be able to come back to the NHL. What do you think happens with three goalies? Because they got a lot of options. Do you think they'd carry all three goalies for a period of time? Is there a quick trade that could happen? Would they send Logan Thompson to Henderson because he's waiver exempt? Like, what do you think is the answer to having three NHL level goalies? Uh, three goalies is not a comfortable position uh, to be in for the goaltenders or for the team. Uh, it uh, I've, I've watched it happen over the years, and some guys can make it work and make it tolerable, and other times it's just uh, flat out. Uh, really uncomfortable spot. Uh, so it, it's that's the long answer of saying it, it's not the best case scenario. Uh, the the way they're playing right now, the Bersois has to probably sit there and go. Well, it's, it's going to be tough to break through and, and get into that. But uh, he is the most experienced guy, and 
if he goes down to Henderson and plays well, I I would uh, think that 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 he he would get a shot uh, to to get back into the net and then see what happens. If all three are playing great, Tyler, let's look at it the other way. If they're all playing well, then that's that's good for the hockey team. One, right. they're they're winning. Yeah, and two, it turns into an asset for for the hockey team, and then you can you can uh, either uh, make a trade. Or, or turn that into some kind of advantage uh, to, to your team on, on a winning side of it. So uh, there's, there's the, instead of just looking at it from an uh, inconvenience uh, point of view, there's also the possibility that it turns into a real positive. So on the idea of carrying three goalies, because for, for all three to be yep. playing well, all three have to be here, or at least Laurent Brossois has got to show something in an NHL game for that right. to be reality. Like, yeah. how long can that go? Like, obviously, you could have three on the roster for a certain amount of time, but, like, you you said you've seen it before. Like, how long do you think that could really go on? I mean, we had Bruce Cassidy on, and he said he wouldn't really like that idea. So how long could that actually go to have all three on the roster? Well, nobody likes it. Uh, that's absolutely the truth. I, I've never met a person who says, uh, having three goalies around is great. And, and one of the... And one of the, the, the most uh, hardest things to get around is uh, a guy's always in the way. You're doing drills, <laughs> and a guy's always in the way uh, because they're not where they're supposed to be. And the only place that a goalie really knows where they're supposed to be during drills is in the net. If that that's already covered, uh, then then you're probably uh, standing out, get the way of passes or drills or, or in, in some cases. So... Um, uh, it can go as long as as you can make it work. Like I, I Buffalo a couple of years ago went almost the whole season with three goaltenders. It, it can it can happen. It's just when it becomes uh, one uh, works against you from a salary cap point of view. Two works against you uh, from from a roster standpoint when you're you're carrying an extra goaltender, so you can't carry that extra skater. Uh, which uh, which uh, holds you back is you'd, you'd like to have that insurance, uh, whether it's next forward or extra defenseman. So uh, it, there, there's no limit, but uh, I would probably say uh, three weeks to a month would be the max where you're like tolerable of it before you you start looking around like the goaltenders or the coaches or the managers are going, okay, we we got to do something here, something's got to give. Uh, Gary Lawless just tweeted, I thought it was interesting that the auto coach said this morning uh, that Hagen Whitecloud are the best 5-6 tandem in the league. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I, I think that this blue line is the, the deepest defensive core in the National Hockey League. And to have a, a deep defensive core and to be, able to, to be able to make a statement like that, you have to be uh, really comfortable with your with your last pairing uh, in that third pairing. So a- absolutely. And I think we've seen a major progress from the uh, beginning of the year uh, when uh, it was uh, Nick Hague missing training camp and stepping in and learning on the flying playing catch up uh, to, to what we've seen in the last three games, uh, light years improvement in being able to put those guys in, in all situations. And, uh, uh, I, I would absolutely, totally agree with, uh, with with that statement, and and it's reflected in the ice time and and the production and the potential 
uh, that's the other thing, and the potential of, of of those guys. If they were on other teams, I think that they they would be playing in in a three four. Uh, Jack Eichel has gotten off to a really good start. Is this peak Jack Eichel, or do you think there's even more from Jack Eichel that he can give? Well, that's uh, kind of a trick question in a way. Uh, I think that you may be looking at the start of one of those heaters that uh, that that the players go on. So, is there more to come? Yeah, I think I think this could be uh, one of those. 10 game stretches where you look back and go, oh, he had, he had seven multi-point games in, 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 in 10, in a 10 game stretch. Uh, so, so in, in that part, is there more to, to, to come? Absolutely. But it's hard to think that a guy could be more effective, more dominant uh, than the way he's been the last couple of games from the dunk on Winnipeg. And then the uh, the shot from distance uh, the other night against Washington. There's a handful of guys that can score from distance on an unscreened goaltender in the National Hockey League uh, from from that far away from the net. That takes incredible skill. And that wasn't that wasn't a bad goal for for Jack Eichel. That's a bad goal if it's Tyler Bischoff shooting, but it's, it's a legitimate goal uh, for, from Jack Eichel. And then the way he, he found that puck the other night in, in overtime and, and drew everybody away. Three-on-three like three basketball is a new sport at the Olympic Games. That's what it sets up to be in, in the National Hockey League, and there's no better point guard than, than, uh, than Jack Eichel right now. In the NHL, Tyler, you, Connor McDavid does it with speed. Like he just goes flat out. Uh, Jack Jack handles it differently uh, when it comes to uh, overtime, and he can change things up. And uh, it's it's really impressive. All right, hold on. You giving me an idea? Do we need three on three hockey in the Olympics? Uh, I wouldn't mind it. I would take it if they if they've gone to three on three basketball. Why not? Yeah, I mean the basketball—it's it's abbreviated. You play to twenty-one or something, so the game. Yeah, you play to twenty-one. It'll take very yeah, long. Yeah, well, so, it's, different, it's different rules. Yeah, three-on-three three hockey, like first to three or something, or play for ten minutes or whatever it is. I I'm all on board. I think this would be great. Fantastic. It'd be fun. Yeah. Olympics I actually, it, it may I, it may get there. You, 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 I wouldn't I wouldn't count it out. It's different athletes. It's it's uh they they go through a, a tryout process so. Uh, it, it's, a, it's a slightly different approach to it. And they have different coaching. They actually coach to it. So it's uh, there's a lot of thought. They've done uh, uh, mixed uh, doubles curling. Uh, so there's there's a, a sort of a, a trend there in, in the Olympics going to uh, pare down sports. So why not? I actually thought his goal was more important than the dunk. And more, more impressive. More, not, not more important, more impressive. I thought the goal... Doesn't that usually get blocked? Something happens in that situation to where that 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 goal was pretty amazing. I I agree with you. Like from from a, a pure like unusual standpoint, guys do power their way to the net uh, all the time. It was it was impressive against Winnipeg because of the timing of it and the switch back, and then it being a winning goal. It was outstanding, and I'm not taking anything away from that. To, but to be able to uh, Score from uh, 30 feet uh, with a guy basically flamingoing, uh, uh, trying to think that he's blocking it, showing his coach he's trying to block it, but he wants nothing to do with blocking it because it's going to hurt like heck. And then, additionally, 
being a goaltender clean like that and a good goaltender, a guy that's uh, earned his way back on the National Hockey League, it, it was outstanding. All right. Uh, one word answer before we let you go. The best team in the Pacific not named the Vegas Golden Knights is? Ed's a great guy. <laughs> what? What? <laughs> that was three words, and that is not an answer to the question. Not named the Golden Knights. What? Ed's a great guy. That's the best answer to any question. <laughs> Darren, get out of here. I don't know what's happening right now. Get out of here. That's, that's awesome. Just say Edmonton or Calgary. Get out of here. He's Darren Millard. <laughs> Thank you, buddy. Thanks, Darren. See ya. What was that? I don't know. He wouldn't answer it. The, the, what? Was that a hard question to answer? It didn't go on a gut and a limb? Like, if I asked him who's going to be the worst Golden Knight this season, I could understand why he wouldn't answer that. I just said, who's the best team in the Pacific not named Vegas? Not named the Golden Knights. Right. Just pick one, Edmonton. Pick a Canadian team, Edmonton or Calgary. Mm-hmm. Hell, uh, what, what are we doing here? I don't understand what that was. Are you a great guy? Uh, there are people who will say no. <laughs> have you seen my emails? <laughs> we haven't gotten an email update from you recently. Have they, have they calmed down? They've calmed down a little, yeah. Oh, They've calmed down a little. Is it because the Raiders Raider are fans, bad? Raider fans actually agree with a lot of stuff because oh, they're two and five. Yeah, and they're yeah. like, oh, yeah, they, they are not happy at all. The life cycle of Raiders fans seems to be off-season, hype off-season. Right. This team is winning the Super Bowl. How could you say we're going to suck? And then, oh, my God, they suck. Fire everybody. Yes, yes. Ed, you are not harsh enough. You are yes. a homer. You yes. like this team too much. Yes, that's what we get now <laughs> at two and five. That's a, that's That's the kind of the mode it goes right in, right I and mean, it's every year because they're normally not any good right exactly <laughs> all right we got tickets to give away if you want to go see the who they are playing this weekend and we got a pair of tickets for you 702-364-1100 is the phone number if you want to go see the who we will take caller number seven Right now, it's 702-364-1100. It is the Who Hits Back Tour. The Caller 7 at 702-364-1100. you think this week, knowing that the players have that bad taste in their mouth against the Rams, that that could serve as maybe something that's just added motivation? I think we have a bad taste in our mouth the last three weeks. We don't have time to worry about the bad taste of the Rams. We're trying to win a ball game. and That's all we're worried about. Live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas studios, this is the Press Box with Graney and Bischoff. I did want to go back to uh, Adam Silver's statement on Kyrie Irving. Uh, Again, if you missed it, uh, not too long ago, Adam Silver put out a statement. Well, first off, Kyrie Irving and the Nets yesterday uh, each pledged to give $500,000 towards uh, causes to help discrimination or to prevent discrimination. Uh, and then today, there was a Kyrie Irving apology included in that statement. Today, Adam Silver put out a statement saying that he is going to meet with Kyrie Irving next week to discuss the situation. Adam Silver basically torched Kyrie Irving, saying that he sent out an anti-Semitic uh, documentary and he has yet to apologize without qualifiers and has yet to actually denounce the video or the documentary that he tweeted out. It's one of the harshest statements I think the NBA commissioner has given right. about a player. Um, yeah. We we can, we brought this up right before Darren, but what, what exactly does discuss the situation with Kyrie Irving mean? Potential discipline? That That's what I think, but like the point Danny made, 
we're going to be two weeks removed. Kyrie Irving's right. already played in two basketball games. Like, and we'll play in more before yeah, that. They're going to have like three or four or something before then. Like, that to me is what stands out. Is oh yeah, he's probably going to suspend him or something. But like, you're really going to let this go for two weeks before you? I don't know. It's just, it seems like kind of a strange way. A, stra- a straight. I mean, not strange way, but strange timing. Like it'd be if it was like, hey. I'm I'm flying in tonight. Right. It's been three or four right. days. I'm he had a in. chance to apologize. We don't think he's done enough to sort of so we're going to come in and talk better. To yeah. Right. But like ah, next week. Yeah, we'll get to that. Uh, where's my schedule clear? Tuesday at two thirty. Right. All right. We'll get to it then. You would think after Kyrie doubled down on it, Adam Silver would have put that at the top of his to do list. Right. And that's the other part of this. Kyrie Irving sends out the tweet about the uh, with the anti-Semitic documentary. Then in a press conference after a game. The media, right? The media sort of asks him to explain himself and and why he would do that and all that. And he, like Danny said, effectively doubled down. Yeah, effectively gave no no intention of apologizing, no intention of hey, uh, I, I realized this was wrong. Whatever, doubled down on it. And then a few days later, the Nets are like, "All right, you're not talking to the media anymore. We're going to put out a statement with your apology." Like there have been multiple points where the NBA, if the NBA was like, "Hey, we're going to discuss this and figure out what to do," there have been multiple points where the NBA could come in and do it. Not a, "Hey, we're going to wait." We'll see in a week, right? It's convenient in both of our schedules. Like I don't know, it just it doesn't it doesn't feel like the wrong thing for the NBA to do. It just seems like what's what's taking so long here. Well, with this whole situation, I don't really see his apology in quotes as real. I think it's more just an optic thing. Well, okay. Well, it's like Tyler said. I mean, the Nets could have written that. Exactly. They could, they could have written exactly. it. And he could have just looked at it and okayed it. I think they just said, "Hey, we need to we need to put out something. Let's let's do this." And he's like, "All right, sure." Yeah, there, he read it over and okayed it. There are a lot of good things in that apology. That if right. if, if Kyrie Irving had said word for word what was in that statement, like forty eight hours after he sent out that documentary, if he had said it, like like actually with his mouth to whatever at a press conference or something like that. I think that would have gone a long way, but there's a couple of keys here. He doesn't actually say he's sorry, right? It's not technically an apology. He doesn't apologize. He does say, I understand that I have hurt a community, Yes, but he doesn't actually say I apologize or I'm sorry. So apology is probably not the right word to, to frame it. And the way he phrased it, I'll have to go find his statement again. The way it was phrased was him saying, I don't agree with all of what was in that documentary and not so much a complete denouncement of the documentary itself, which again, I have not watched it. I've not watched I, it. The Rolling Stone wrote a story about it and how it's anti-Semitic. Uh, Pablo Torre of ESPN, he watched it and posted a screenshot. There's a fake Hitler quote that is used in this documentary. Um, so it's it, Kyrie Irving hasn't fully denounced it. He just said, I do not hear this. I do not believe everything said in the documentary was, was true, which implies he does believe something in the documentary is true. And again, yeah. I haven't seen it. Maybe it starts off with the world is round, and he agrees with that now. And yeah, that's exactly. Funny. But it's just, it's an interesting way the NBA is handling this, and it's interesting how, I'll be honest, it's interesting how the Nets have handled it too. Uh, given that he's well, played Steve in every Nash game. ran for the hills. Steve Nash is gone, and they, it, probably the best thing they've done is say you're not talking to the media at right. the moment.
It's probably the best thing the Nets have done for themselves. And I'm looking at a statement that Adam Silver just put out, and it was just tweeted out by Bleacher Report and a couple others. Silver even said that he's disappointed that Irving has not offered an unqualified apology. Yeah. Because again, I like a lot of the things he said in this statement is are like good things to say when he says, you know, from my family and I, we meant no harm and talking about he's aware of the negative impact towards the Jewish community. Like there's a lot of good things that would go into a good apology, but he didn't actually say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. He didn't actually say I apologize. Right. right? It's just I'm aware that I did this, which is not that you can be aware that you did something bad. And you still haven't apologized. <laughs> right. Yeah. It just means you're even worse of a person. Right.